Welcome to the second edition of the 22-23 Summer Racing Podcast. We're back in Devonport. God's carpet, as they say, for the Ladbrokes Golden Mile meeting, a key lead up to the Devonport Cup, which is now just over a month away. I'm Matt Reid for tazracing.com.au and joining me, as he always does on this podcast, is a man who's had a big week. He's had to close the doors to his business to do media and sign autographs after being a part owner in the Quinella of last week's new market, of course, I'm talking about Bear Robinson. How are you, mate? Going well, Snap. Yeah, I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, although I was lucky enough to get the Quinella, I was in the car with my mate, Grant Costello, driving back because I had to put the plaster on the walls at uh, a place at Cambridge about 10 a.m. So it was uh, a nice trip home, but it was a very long day on Thursday. I will say that the midweek is a, a great for a lot of things, but having a runner and celebrating a big race certainly aren't one of them. No, I mean, obviously, I, was, I had a couple of beers with yourself and Scotty, and I got to about 12.30, and I was trying to hang on to watch the soccer, but that would have just ruined the day for the next day. So, um, you know, it's still a massive thrill. I've wanted to win the new market since I was about 18. It's probably what got hooked me hooked on the gallops in Tasmania, and to be lucky enough to come away with the Quinella, and you sort of you pinch yourself that um, how lucky you are. Yeah, he was brilliant, the little fella. A big podcast here. We will touch on the two meetings that have been run, both in Launceston since we last recorded, which was on the eve of the new market. A special guest is Chelsea Baker. We'll, of course, get stuck into the Devonport Golden Mile program and Bears Brief and Snappers Special will finish us off. Uh, we will kick things off with the new market. We've obviously touched on a little bit there, but... Um, I've heard a little bit of feedback and murmurings post-race from a few trainers that the track might have been a little bit firm. It was quite a warm day in Launceston there, so I think if that was the case, then um, certainly the track staff could be forgiven. But from a punting perspective, it, it raced super. Um, winners came from everywhere, obviously inevitable round them up, which is something you just don't see in the new market. Um, he was super, and, yeah, I guess we'll we'll start with the winner, um, amazing betting race this one I'll touch on that a little bit more in Snapper Special but gee whiz what we saw in the Goodwood he just repeated it again yeah actually he's probably even better um, in the uh, new market it was funny I was standing next to Ray Parsons who's in the inevitable and we could see first accused getting smacked in the betting and he goes what's going on here Bear I said well I didn't get the email to say that first accused was going to start $2.50 race so um, I reckon the the big punters probably identified first accused down in weight, drew low, Blake McDougall on board and was going to get that great run along the fence, which he did. But, um, you know, I don't think any horse could have beaten the inevitable uh, the way he went on Wednesday night. So, as you said, he defied the normal pattern in a new market winner, just looped him and uh, he's going away from him on the line with 59 and a half. It was, it was an unbelievable effort. We spoke about this on Wednesday night after a few beers, just trying to solve the world's problems as you do. But uh, the inevitable, like maybe he's not genuine group one anymore, but his performances indicate he's sort of probably still group two, group three. And um, he did just look a class above them in both the Goodwood and the new market, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I was chatting to one of the other owners, uh, Budgie Gapen, on Thursday, and he sort of... I didn't think of this at the time, but you sort of, you think what could have been like when we were in our prime at four, um, you know, Behemoth, the Seeker, Mizzy have all been group one winners and we're all pretty competitive and beat all of those as a four-year-old. So, but in saying that, mate, he's only, he's seven, he's had 25 starts. Arguably he's probably going as, as good as he ever has. I reckon this term of turn of foot, I don't think I've seen it um, really in any of his career starts really more so than the last two. So, yeah, you're probably right. He's probably a group sort of three to group two horse at his best, but you just never know with some of these higher rated races you can get down in the weights and come off a hot pace. You just never know. With you know, There's no real, real guns now that dominate the big races every week um, in Australia. So, you know, who knows? Like, if we keep improving, we might end up back at the new market, for example, next year and, you just never know. That's why you're in it, mate. You're in there to dream. And um, Scotty and Tina will continue to work hard and keep the little fella well, and you never know where we might end up. Well, on the national stage, there's just so many races now worth such great prize money that I guess there's options of plenty even for a horse like that with such a really high rating. Um, 
quick run through from me on on the new market. Obviously, a, a terrific race. The inevitable had the fastest last two hundred meters of the meeting by over a length. So he had to produce something pretty handy to round up first accused. Uh, the betting, as I mentioned, absolute plunge. I'll touch on that later. He went as good as you could go with the run that he had, but just beaten by a better one. I thought Alpine Wolf was super. Um, not really sure where they head to him now. He'll probably head to the conquering. Turk Warrior in fourth was fine. Carpet charge for him, I'm told. Liffy Bow and Julius with the next couple across the line again. Probably went as good as they could go in that class. I think both of those will be carpet charge horses. And Swoop Dog and Beyond and Dark Wanderer probably didn't have a lot of luck for different reasons. But again, probably went as, as good as they could go in a race like that. Maybe with better luck, could have finished a little bit closer. Um, I guess the big disappointment for a few reasons out of the race was Newhart, who unfortunately has pulled up with a suspensory injury. And it probably seems unlikely that we'll see him on a racetrack again, which would be really disappointing. But um, we saw what he was capable of at his prime, as you said on last week's pod, Bear. That win in the Thomas Lyons is something that um, we won't forget anytime soon. No, it's very unfortunate. Obviously, when he was in the zone, he was an absolute gun. Um, it's just unfortunate that he probably hasn't pulled up that well from last week. And um, But if he is, finishes a racehorse, just the connections would have had an outstanding time and plenty of fun. And at the end of the day, if you have the sort of career Newhart's had, the connections are going to walk away pretty happy. Uh, just also before we move on from that new market program, uh, Donna's Day, I thought was pretty good again Bear took her record to four from four probably more tradesmen's like than sort of breathtaking but I guess the thing I'm sort of taking out from her is she's just a winner like the last two starts she's looked dead to rights and still found a way and that's a trait you'd love to have in a racehorse it goes a long way um you know I know the master speed's getting on in years but he uh can pull a really good run out from time to time and he did so again and Donna's day, I, you know, I think she was very well placed, um, especially with the claim for Chelsea being able to claim three kilos. And I reckon the stable's probably going to give Donna's day a bit of a freshen up and potentially aim at the Leila Lynette first up in January, which um, obviously it's a step up in grade, but she keeps winning. So she's entitled to have a crack at that race, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're kind of obligated to head to races like that. I, I interviewed Scotty after the race and he had no bones about saying she's potentially a, a bow mistress Vamos horse. And I think if you look at the horse that won the Vamos last year, take the sit, um, she's a very good earner and, and maybe calling her a bread and butter horse is a little bit disrespectful, but I don't think she's a horse that you would run away from if if that's what it takes to win a group three. And maybe that'll be the case again next year. Uh, moving on to last night's program in Launceston Bear, we're, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Uh, I'll just start by saying there was an incident in race six on the program, which unfortunately saw uh, Dan Gandon come down. Uh, he has checked out of hospital already. He's got out of that reasonably unscathed. Unfortunately, the horse Rock and Baby had to be euthanized. But uh, great to hear that that Gando's doing as well as can be. And um, thoughts on a speedy recovery to him. Of course, friend of the podcast. We had him on last year. He was great with his time uh, on the track in in the races where there was a little bit less happening. Bear uh, Rebel Factor. I know you best betted him. I think a lot of people did and. Pretty impressive again. Took took his record to six from eight. Yeah, he was really good. Um, I was surprised he sort of went up black figures. Um, he's he's obviously a spruik horse and rightfully so. Um, but Brendan had him in a perfect position, uh, one out, one back. And although Queen Bee had a few lengths lead coming to the turn, you knew she'd probably come back to them. And um, Brendan was pretty soft on her in the Ellen Grebel, Sorry, soft on him in the end. Um, he won pretty comfortably. Ethical dilemma was pretty good from back in the field, but out of that race, I think uh, Rebel Factor is the one we need to be following going forward. Yeah, and it sounds like he'll go to the conquering. We won't touch too much on that because we're going to record ahead of next week's podcast. So if that bridge needs to be crossed, we'll do it there. And there's perhaps even talk that Bellow Bow might be in the conquering as well. So we might need to clear three hours for next week's conquering podcast if if they all front up there, but we'll see. Uh, Fairy Magic, a horse that I touched on as one to follow um, in last week's podcast, unfortunately got the dreaded vet check pre-race. I heard Cole say on the call that unfortunately she's been kicked pre-race. Never what you want to hear. I thought she still went 
uh, pretty good. Just doubling back on Rebel Factor for a second, he went seven lengths faster than he did first up. So his time was 104.31. Most of that set up by the lead time. They went very slow first up. Uh, Fairy Magic went about three lengths slower than Rebel Factor. Uh, she finished second to the Flying Warika, who's now won three and a half in a row. And a shout out to Brooke Hannum, who had her first double there. Um, I thought Fairy Magic went good, and, and who knows what that kick before the race um, might have taken out of her. But I guess the other big one out of the program, Bear, and it was one that um, we sort of could all pick from the trials, but GG Gemstone, hasn't he got a bit to learn? Oh, I thought he was going to go the uh, the rail at the 150-metre work when Ziggy pulled the stick on him. So fortunately, she was able to straighten him up, and, yeah, he looks to have a bright future. Um, I know a few guys were sweating on the price coming out, and I reckon you might have been one of them, mate. So I did see that bet sort of $3.60, $3.80. So um, he was very, very impressive. And, um, yeah, it'd be interesting where he ends up at the end of his preparation, but he can only uh, keep improving from what he did last night, and it's pretty scary the way he uh, he basically demolished the field, really, didn't he? Like, for, of course, having his first start, it was a, it was a very, very impressive win. Well, Stewie Gandy spoke to Duncan Dornoff for Taz Racing TV after the race and gave a little bit of an idea about where he might head. Let's have a listen to that interview now. Showing plenty of talent in that trial, but looks like he's a bit of hard work. Yeah, look, he's been hard work from day dot. Um, uh, yeah, just really hard work. Full credit to the team. Um, you know, he's put a, one of them in hospital and a, a few other things. So he's, he's come right. I think he's got a bright future. Um, full credit to Zig tonight. Uh, she was on a pretty raw, raw horse, um, and she got the job done. I think he'll learn a lot from that. And um, you know, when he straightens out and goes straight and does everything right, I think he's um, got a really bright future. How frustrating has he been knowing the talent he has had? Oh, look, really frustrating. Full credit to the team, as I said, and and to the vet. Uh, he had an injury that's put him back a couple months, and. It's just been a real team effort to um, get him here and, yeah, just um, a lot of patience and a lot of, um, yeah, sweat, blood and tears. <laughs> What's the plan with him going forward? You just take your time and teach him the racing game? Yeah, yeah look, he's three. His mother ran in the strut um, and 1,000 guineas. He's beautifully bred. He's bred to get a mile, so if he go, pulls up good, he'll head to the guineas. So Stu Gandy basically saying that uh, what we saw on the track is what we've seen behind the scenes. He, he's still learning the caper, but potentially a, a Tassie Guineas horse. And all of a sudden, with a few horses that we've seen in the last fortnight, Bear, we spoke about it last week, Cornelian Bay, Move for Lex. Uh, there's potentially a few others. Last year's Guineas was the Wolf and the Warrior, and this year might be just as good. Yeah, I reckon in the last years, we've had one or two really good horses in the Guineas, but this year... Um... They're going to be coming from all avenues, so it's really exciting, and and hopefully the the racing club down here really markets the event. And um, in early January, I reckon you know you could get a cracking crowd out there to witness some really good up and coming horses in Tassie. So hopefully they all keep improving and get there. So um, yeah, I'm not sure which one I want to take out of the current crop, but if Bello Bow ended up going there, that's the one I'd want to be on ultimate professional, but these other couple coming through are certainly going to make him earn it at least. Yeah, well, it sounds like the Australian Guineas Group 1 level might be the go for Bello Bow, but who knows, we'll see. And you mentioned the price for Gigi's Gemstone, and I t tweeted about this on race night. It w was great to see a horse that, I guess, whether they wanted to or not, was exposed at the trials. and Everyone could see it. The horse beat older, more experienced horses, race winners, Ran good time. So you, you just knew that this horse was going to be something on race day. And I guess we're in an era where, and you learn this over time, and it's part of the punning puzzle that different stables like to keep them quiet. They might trial without blinkers, put them on race day. It was just nice to see one that I guess was exposed at the trials and everyone could launch in. And they didn't bet $10 or anything, but in turn, it wasn't $1. forty either. So you could at least have something on and, and get something out of GG Gemstone, and I'm hope plenty did. Uh, well, let's look ahead now, Bear. Devonport, they haven't raced there since September. They always have a break at, at this time of year. Um, we get back, they've got two twilight meetings at Devonport before we get to the Devonport Cup. Of course, this is the Ladbrokes Golden Mile. It's the feature race on the eight-race program, and it has to be said, 
it's clearly the standout with a support card that has fallen away uh, quite a bit. The gold mile's worth $50,000. It's over the Devonport mile, 1,650 metres. We've got markets just gone up as we've been recording, courtesy of Ladbrokes here, Bear. I thought this was a pretty tough race. There's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. Uh, Sir Simon, the toppy is $4.60 with Ladbrokes rising light, uh, was favourite or close to it in this race last year's five dollars. Dramazing at eight dollars. The risk factor nine. Shaborn Rebel nine fifty, and then a host of other chances between ten and twenty dollars. Ripping edition of the Golden Mile Bear. I think might have been one of your uh, biggest conquests as a public tipster last year when you threw out White Hawk at any old price in this race. Does shake to be yeah, a race where we hundred twenty eight dollars snap hundred twenty eight dollars he paid. <laughs> well, there you go. It does shape to potentially be a race where we might see a result again. How did you sort of map this race with a, a full field and, and Sir Simon drawn out wide? You'd expect a genuine gallop. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Simon drawn out thirteen. They've got no alternative but to go forward. Um, Shaborn Rebel will be. You know, on pace, I think. Reward Achiever it will go forward. Dramazing, I think, even though it's drawn one, I reckon it's probably got to try and hold a little bit of a spot. Rising Light will be thereabout. So I don't think there's mad speed, but there's quite a few horses to be on pace. Obviously, that's your more your forte snap to work out these speed maps, being a full-time employee of uh, Tasmanian Racing. Me just being the plaster on the tools most of the day. I don't get as much time as you, but that's what I'll be thinking would be happening. Yeah, well, most of the speed's drawn out wide. So Simon, 13, always a winner, 10, the risk factor, 14. Generally, when that's the case, particularly given there's a short run into the first corner at Devonport, they'll they'll generally run them along, and I think that would be the case here. Uh, we're not going to run a by runner this race, but uh, I thought we'd sort of just try and touch on a, a top four. I might start with you, mate. How did you land for this one? And it does look a, a really open race, as the betting suggests. You're essentially $5 the field. Yeah, I'm I'm actually think Dramazing is a good price, sort of 8 or $9 each way. I mean, I thought its win last start was really, really good, and I was sort of surprised it sort of, it's gone up that price. I thought it might have been sort of around your $455 mark. So it's my on topper. Um, I was really impressed by Reward Achievers' win first up. Um, I'm not sure who's going to take the ride because Daniel Gannon's down at the moment. So that would be something to keep an eye on for. So I thought that was that was probably the hardest to beat. I thought there's a horse in this race that I think is going really, really well. And it, it's on the minimum. Ziggy Carr's on board in Argyle Beach. I thought its last couple of runs, it's knocking on the door for the win. And you can get about 19 or $20 about it. So I think it's probably the best roughie. And I also thought on Shaborn Rebels getting fitter. It's drawn a nice gate. Um, I like horses that draw low over the mile at Devonport. Um, so they're sort of, they're the numbers I'll be working around. I just thought Simon going up to 59 kilos just makes his, his task that much harder. I'm not saying he can't win, but I just think from out of that, barrier and that 59 kilos um his task is a lot harder this time than it was at Launceston last start yeah I've got a bit of a theory on Argyle Beach which I'll let the listeners in on this horse is absolutely airborne but being placed essentially in races that he can't win he is a 67 rater is Argyle Beach he's been thrown in the deep end here again I reckon he is Johnny Blacker's Longford Cup horse, uh, a race that he has made his own in recent times. And I think uh, Fargold Beach doesn't stack up to them here. And my guess is he'll not run another super race, but probably a couple of lengths off him. Uh, Johnny Blacker will find a way to get him to the Longford Cup. And that's where I'll be looking to pile into him in a race that's maybe a little bit more suitable, depending on how it comes up. Uh, in terms of my thoughts on the Golden Mile Bear, Dramazing was one I picked out as a horse to follow uh, when we did our top fives last week. I had a favourite in this race. I marked her around $4. I think she's a cracking each way bet at around 8 or $9. I don't hate gate one for her. I think she is a horse that does have a turn of foot, and that's what I'm looking for for horses that might potentially be pocketed and, and need to take um, runs in between horses. She plummets in weight from what she's been contesting in recent times. She had 58 and a half first up. 
Um, when she was working through the lower grades at Devonport over this trip, she had 57, 58 and a half. Uh, connections are lucky enough to get a, a lightweight rider in Anthony Darmanin, who's not only one of the best that rides in Tassie, but can ride naturally at that weight. Uh, yes, she's on trial in this class, amazing, but I think quite a few others are. And I think back to Newhart as he was working through the grades on his way to winning a Devonport Cup. I think Dramazing might profile as a similar type of horse or being one, one's a mare and um, another one was a gelding. So I've got her on top. Uh, ahead of the old boy, Sir Simon, you're absolutely right, mate. Wide gate does have a lot of weight. I just think he, he's a winner of 12 races. He has a handicap rating of 88, but you could make a case that handicap rating should be a little bit higher. Uh, he's giving five kilos to horses that are rated 70, 67, even sort of 72, 75. It, he, he can carry weight. The old boy is a big horse. I think our fate will probably be known pretty early in the race there. If, if you're on Sir Simon, I think um, I don't hate the wide gate for him because he's a horse that needs to be able to stride. And at least from gate 13, if he steps a little bit slow, Troy Baker can look to make his way across. Uh, I think reward achiever deserves to be an each way chance in this field. As you say, Bear, I'm not sure Gander will get up to ride uh, her after what happened last night and, and down to 54. There may not be a hell of a lot of options for reward achiever. And one I thought at odds might actually be the stable mate, Ubriaco. And, and this horse has been backed at a price uh, with different agencies, as much as $34 was offered, is now $12 at the time of recording. I was pretty keen on him in Launceston last start in the race, one by Dramazing. Uh, had to work early and was pretty disappointed, to be fair, but in turn may have needed that one. Drops four kilos, blinkers go on, returned to the home track where he's won three of five. Uh, he'll get an e economical run from two and... Uh, he might be one that could at least sneak into a hole, but as a 70 rider, he's another one that's kind of looking to prove his credentials. So top four for me, pretty keen, quite bullish actually, each way amazing at the prices, seven from one, six and 10 are the four I've gone with. Just randomly before we move on from the gold mile, a couple I'll ask you about Bear, the risk factor, what do you make of him in this lineup? Just a bit of a niggly gate first up. Obviously, he's a good star, but I suppose they've got to have a kickoff point somewhere, and this is probably as good as any. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I'd be looking to oppose him, and I think sort of the Lonnie Cup's probably his goal, and, and this is where we start. Uh, what about Rising Light? As I mentioned, he was right in the market for this race last year. Uh, he is again here as a $5 chance. Um, has probably worked his way through the grades enough that you could say he's... Um, genuine open class or close to it, even though he's only 75. That about puts you in an open class mark down here in Tassie. $5 again, probably a bit disappointing on face value last time. Yeah, he's very well found. Um, although last start, like I know he's well found in the market, but he was always, the map was a bit sticky for him and he got caught a touch wide for the sort of first three or 400 metres. So if Eric can get an economical run, I mean, the horse goes reasonably well at the track. So um, I would think he would drift slightly, though, from the $5 quote. Tend to agree with that. It's it's a market. It's hard to predict what this market will do because there's so many different form lines and things like that. I I think what we'll find, though, is that Dramazing at $8, I think she'll start shorter and um, maybe we'll see a couple of others as well. Uh, before we move on from the Golden Mile, he was a good horse to you last year. White Hawk, $34, might even get bigger than that. You'd have to have something on, wouldn't you? Well, you know, he was able to buy the kids' Christmas presents last year. So, um, actually, I'm still waiting for a sling from Shawnee Willis. I know he had a good win on White Hawk at $128, and he donated $65 to the punters club. So, Take from that what you will, mate. But um, no, I have a couple of dollars on Whitehawk. I'm just not sure, quite sure how he's going at the moment. Yeah, it's hard to know what to make of him. I think at this stage of his career, I think he just genuinely needs staying trips. So we'll learn a little bit more about him probably at 1880 and, and upwards. I think as if you're a genuine Tassie racing fan, if you haven't had a feel on Whitehawk somewhere along the line, then you're not fair dinkum. Uh, other races on the program, Bear, uh, this Twilight program is great for the club. They get a, a big uh, 
crowd on track, a lot of Christmas parties and things like that, probably feeling the effects a little bit of uh, a lot of meetings that we've had in, in recent times here, Devonport, small fields, anything tickle your fancy in any of the support races? Ladbrokes' new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get the down low on the download. Ladbroke Acts. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Probably, I like the win of Froland last start in Launceston. I thought it toughed it out really well and um, it's around the $4 mark, so... Unique Glow's obviously being racing against the better three-year-olds, so um, it's obviously um, going to be really hard to beat. But you can nearly back Froland each way one two. It's a dollar ninety-five for the place at the moment, so you know I'd probably back it each way. But um, yeah, I, I'm really keen on Dramazing. Like it's eight or nine dollars, I think it's a really good each way bet. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I actually think the stable mate and one in the same colours is a good each way bet in the last weight race as a ranker. Uh, she started near favourite for the Golden Mile 12 months ago. There was a bit of a spruik on her at the time and maybe that wasn't warranted. Fast forward 12 months, she's in a benchmark 68, went around in an unsuitable 1,100 metre race behind Rebel Factor. We know how good that form is. And oh, I thought she went as good as she could go in, in that race there. She was only beaten two and a half, uh, up to 13.50 from a nice draw looks ideal. I just think um, at $8, again, like Tremazing, she is a cracking each way bet and, and well over the odds. Uh, looking through other races on the program, Looks a race in two, the third between Turk Boy and Muscle Up, but unfortunately the uh, market didn't give anything away there. Race two is a one that I don't have a lot of confidence in, but one at a good price that I think might be able to improve is a Raptor for Rowan Hamer, who trialed pretty well leading into its first up run. Was slow out in the trial and unfortunately did that again on race day. So Tom Doyle didn't have a lot he could do from back in the field. Was beaten. 11 lengths by Sistine and, and she did clear out in that race. CE Car goes on this time up to 13.50. I think if he can jump a little bit better, we'll come in a little bit from gate nine if the emergencies don't get a run at, at 21 and sixes. I think you could entertain something there. So there are a few that I'm looking forward towards tomorrow, Bear. On probably what has to be said is a, a toughish hunting program we get back to Devonport for the first time little bit of a guessing game as to which horses might have been set up for for the return to the carpet a few small fields for good measure so I think we'll learn a bit and there's a couple of races I'm keen to bet into but it's definitely not a straightforward program perhaps last night we saw a lot of the favorites that you could pile into I'm not sure it's one of those programs at Devonport tomorrow no mate I'll be relying on sending you a text message in the morning to send me your set so um that's about all I've got to say there, mate. As I said, we haven't raced there for a while. I've never been a great fan of punting at Devonport, so um, I find that the form holds up a bit better on the other tracks, but um, there's still eight winners to be found. Absolutely. Well, our special guest on the podcast this week is one of the state's top apprentices. Uh, she's a jockey that I think a lot of punters have confidence in backing. I am, of course, speaking about Chelsea Baker, who had a Winner in Launceston last night. I had a chat to her earlier today. Let's have a listen now. The guest on this week's edition of the Summer Racing Podcast is one of our most talented apprentices. I can't believe she hasn't even been riding for 12 months. It, of course, is Chelsea Baker. Chelsea, thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries at all. Thank you very much for having me. So we're recording this on Thursday morning. You managed to get a, a winner in the in the first race last night with Perrin what was a bit of a sort of stop-start race? They went hard, then they uh, put the brakes on and, and went hard again, but that was a, a tough win from a, a tough old horse. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I mean, he's notoriously known for over here. He generally sort of gets back, and it's whether or not he has that turn of footy, generally a horse that you have to get grinding on early. Um, I've never had much luck with him race day, but it all came into plan last night when we drew the gate and decided to press forward with him. And then in the following race, like nearly went from chocolates to boiled lollies. You did very well to, to stay on speedy pin. Yeah, it's, I think it's just racing is probably a mistake on my behalf, forgetting it was a first starter and trying to 
move a bit quickly at times, but, I mean, we got away with it um, unscathed, so that's the main thing. I mentioned off the top, so you've got 45 winners in your career from 290 rides, a very impressive 15.5% strike rate. Haven't even been riding for, for 12 months so far. I guess 2022 has probably been a, a bit of a whirlwind for you. It definitely has. I, um, I sort of, it's gone quickly but slowly at the same time as it does in racing. I mean, the fact that we're in December now and we're starting to kick off the carnival races and um, our feature races is pretty exciting. I've had a lot of support as it's progressed and um, I think the good thing is I'm still getting those good rides on the horses even though my claim's going down, which is really good. And it must be a real advantage for you as we come into some of these feature races, such as the Golden Mile meeting tomorrow where you can claim three. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. And I'm also so thankful, like, the fact that I'm apprenticed to my um, family, my parents, mum and um, dad, they're just amazing. They Half the time I'm sort of at home very rarely. I'm off riding track work for a few other trainers because we are such a small stable, so that's definitely helped me get some of the opportunities that I do get. So I'm really thankful for them and their support. Speaking of opportunities, you had a taste in a black type race for the first time last week with Blaze fourth in the new market. No success in that race and, and he was a long shot, but it must leave you hungry for, for more opportunities in some of those bigger races. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I, he was a great first ride for a black type race. Um, he's an old horse. We didn't have much luck throughout. I think I don't think we're any better than three wide the trip. But I mean, to the old horse's credit, he sort of kept me safe out of trouble. Um, he was finishing off well. I mean, that night he probably wanted further, but he's an old veteran and horses of that calibre. Sometimes when they're a bit younger, they just stand out on their own a bit better. But yeah, I'm definitely hungry and want to keep improving so I can try to get a few more opportunities this season. Well, the way you're riding, I'm sure you will. You spoke about Perrin and his traits. Would you sort of refer to yourself as someone that tries to do their homework on races and horses as to how a horse might have certain traits and how races might be run and the maps and these types of things? Yeah, definitely. I'm forever doing form and looking at my speed maps. I do like to sort of go out with a plan um, especially for the horse I'm on. I'll be honest, I hate pick-up rides because I don't generally get to do form on them, so I'm a bit stressed. Um, even if I come out with a plan and the trainer wants something completely different, at least they can have a bit of confidence that I've looked at the horse and seen what it's like. Um, there's been a few times I've watched a few replays on horses there. Form's been a bit hit and miss, and, um, I mean, again, credit to my family. Mum and Dad are always there helping me watch form. Um, and there's probably a few times where I've suggested maybe we ride them out a bit colder of the gates and then they finish off better next start. I mean, um, yeah, so I do like doing my form. It just makes me feel a bit less anxious going into it. I mean, it doesn't always work out, but at least you can go out there with confidence when you're talking to trainers and owners prior to the race. Yeah, you can. It, it could only help. That that's for sure. Um, we'll touch on a few of your rides tomorrow in Devonport. Uh, I will say you're definitely a worker. You've got 125 rides this season, which is second only to Taylor Johnston, and and only a, and you've got seven of eight races tomorrow. I guess that does show that um, you're in demand. Yeah, look, at, I mean, I'm in demand, and we're always ringing up for rides. Um, sometimes you get your favourites, other times you're on your roughies and outsiders. Um, Dad and I sort of always have the theory I'd prefer to be out going around the track and working on something or trying to improve that roughy then as opposed to sitting in the rooms. Um, I love my job. I probably go a bit too hard at times and impound at home, but, yeah. Looking at tomorrow, so in the feature race, the Golden Mile, uh, the last year's Launceston Cup winner, Glass Warrior, uh, she's a nice horse, kicks off in the Golden Mile, and I've read that um, you might be sticking with her for the campaign. Yeah, um, Dad got a call up from JKB and her owners the few weeks ago and they mentioned about it um, and said if I was able to stick with her throughout the whole campaign, I'd get to ride her, which is um, pretty exciting. I sort of didn't know how to react when Dad said it to me because, like I say, I haven't even been riding a year yet and um, the fact that I'll get to ride a horse of her calibre 
throughout the whole Cups campaign is pretty exciting. So um, she's a nice horse. She tried really well the other day. Everything was done on her own merits and she was hardly blowing after it. So it's pretty exciting. Um, first up in the Gold Mile will be a tough little race for her, but... I think after a trial, it was good to show people that she's came back and came back well and ready to compete. So, yeah, we'll just see how we go tomorrow. Well, speaking of doing the form, uh, it looks a cracking edition of the Golden Mile and a, a really hard race. You obviously had a, a first-hand look at Sir Simon last start. It looks as though the, the big grey's going as well as ever and, and he must be hard to beat as a winner of 12 races in that field. It is a really good race. I was saying to Dad, like when I was doing my form sort of before the races last night, we'll be watching replays with it tonight. There's not too many horses in it that you sort of single uh, want to avoid. It's a horses of um, all sort of different calibres, but some really thrive on the synthetic, some really thrive over that distance. Um, Sir Simon, he's such a dude, he's a freak if he can get that nice rolling pace and tempo and an easy sectional or two he'll be definitely hard to beat um yeah he's I know firsthand he sort of he keeps improving and he plays a game with you um in the run for sort of the jockey on board and the other jockeys there just when you think he's done he'll kick again so yeah it's um, one of those races I think anyone could potentially win even a few of the um, bottom weights, like I say, they trained on that track and some really thrive on the synthetic, so I think it would just be the luck of the draw tomorrow. Yeah, I think it'll be a wide quaddy leg, that's for sure. Going back to the first race of the program, only a small field, you were on Froland last start, a pretty tough win and looks a very, very winnable race again. Yeah, it does. He was tough last start. Again, he's sort of going on the synthetic and um, we've got a small field hopefully he jumps away a bit better he can be a bit funny in the gate so hopefully you don't have to do too much work too early on him um but yeah it could be another winnable race for him that blow up those also a chance i mean it's trained at the track and it's got the rail run again which it does like so yeah i think any race that um you've got can be winnable but it's just down to luck but um i think i was talking to graham last night and he said he's pulled up well so fingers crossed he goes good again and you've got a couple of rides for Nigel Shuring on uh, Made to be Broken, starting with that one in, in the first leg of the quaddie. Yeah, um, I've been doing track work for Nigel. And, um, he actually had Made to be Broken nominated for last night, um, but we'd already taken a ride prior, of like a few weeks in advance, so I couldn't ride him. Um, he said he was going to nom him again like, for tomorrow's race, um, and it was just a matter of the gate. He's pretty excited. The horse tried well. I think we've got blinkers on him the first time. So we'll just see how he goes. He's came back well. Uh, he suffered from a few little niggly injuries. Um, but, yeah, no, he's going well. He races pretty fiercely. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes tomorrow first up again. And then the old boy will be rules. He's a nine-year-old, but, jeez, uh, he's racing well. Yeah, he's racing super. He's a nine-year-old, but I think it's like a lot of the old horses at the moment. They just don't know their age. Um, he's such a flea at track work the more you try holding the harder he pulls but if you give him a long rein he'll just dawdle along but um I know when I couldn't ride that meeting after I'd had a fall and um Brendan McCall filled in for me and um he actually said to Nigel it's the best the horse has ever felt I mean he goes well on the synthetic so it'll be great to get him back there but he's been racing great on the grass so it will be interesting to see how he goes if we're there on the corner the way he's been coming home, I think he'll be definitely in with a chance. And more broadly, how do you find riding at Devonport compared to the grass tracks? Do you enjoy it or I imagine it presents a different challenge? Definitely presents a different challenge. I'll be honest, I don't love Devonport. I'm more of a grass track person myself, but I think it's just because it's something I'm not used to and I find it hard to ride a strategical race there. But um, the tempo is always quicker. I think I prefer to be sort of on your midfield markers and your back markers at Devonport and just judge the pace from there a bit. Front runners tend to sort of go pretty quick and I um, sometimes you get caught out going too quick and they impound the last 100 or 50, but I do prefer grass, but yeah. There we go. We've got our podcast headline, Chelsea Baker hates Devonport, a bit of controversy. Yeah. Uh, only joking, of course. Now, just before I let you go, a couple of questions. Soccer, were you as good as everyone says you were? 
Oh, look, I don't think I'm quite as good as everyone says I was. I mean, I enjoyed it and was competitive with it, but I think um, I've made the right decision in hanging up the boots and coming to the jockey side of things. I definitely wasn't as, um, how do you say, competitive in the soccer as what I am with the um, horse racing. Well, if you're half as good at soccer as you are as a jockey, I'm sure you were a gun. Who's your favourite horse? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, we've got so many ones. It just honestly depends on the day. In terms of um, track work at like Longford when I'm galloping them, mum and dad's McSwain, he was my first race win for them. He's a pretty cool kid. He's um, been a bit of pain at the moment. He's can't get him quite right. But then we've got some fillies at home as well. Um, Belle Pine Miss, she's just been notoriously unlucky, this prep. She's currently having a little let up. Um, and Clover Hill, she actually trialled at Longford Tuesday. But I will say I do love race riding Sir Simon. He's he's a gun. Well, four rides on him has returned three winners, so that doesn't surprise me. Um, still in your first year of riding, Chelsea, but what are your long-term goals, I guess? Maybe continue here in Tassie or does maybe across the water beckon for you? I mean, I would like to see if I could make it across the water. Um, it's a bit hard at the moment. Mum's sort of been out with injury. But in saying that, though, it's made me have to work a bit harder and ride the sort of more difficult horses. So when she's back in action, she'll get all the quiet ones and I'll probably have a bit of the fullers and ferals. So the roles will be reversed. But long-term go, I would like to see if I could go across the water, whether that's to Adelaide, Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales. I'm not too fussy as yet. Um Basically, the long-term goal is that I just want to keep improving and um, be one of those jockeys that is in demand. Well, I think you're certainly that. And for as long as we've got you in Tassie, we'll enjoy having you here. Uh, thanks very much for your time and good luck in Devonport tomorrow and for the rest of the carnival. No worries. Thank you very much. Interesting listening to Chelsea Bear. You wouldn't believe that she's only 21. I mean, she's just an absolute credit to herself and her family, the way she speaks and presents herself. Great to hear there that she's a bit of a, a student of the game. And uh, I joked about it there in the interview, but um, you don't love punting at Devonport. She doesn't love riding there either. Love the honesty there. Um, but what I take out of that interview, there's no real secret to why she's been so successful early in her career. She spoke about she loves to prepare for each race ride. She even commented that if she gets a late pickup ride, she doesn't feel as comfortable going on the track because she hasn't done the background research. And I, I just think that's great for a young young jockey to be invested so much in trying to get the best out of herself. Because obviously, if you don't prepare, you prepare you're preparing to fail. And obviously, Chelsea does a lot of homework, watches plenty of re- race replays, trials, knows the horses before she gets on them. So. Um, you know, there's no secret to her success at such a young young age. And as you say, she's been riding for less than 12 months and um, hopefully she continues to improve and continues to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's going to give herself every chance to succeed and really appreciate Chelsea taking some time on a, a busy week, given they race on Wednesday and Friday to have a chat to us. Uh, we're going to round out the pod, bear with... Uh, our couple of segments. Hopefully the listeners enjoy whatever we have to offer. Uh, this week we'll start with Bear's Brief. Now, I did notice from last week's comment made about my uh, disdain, if that's the right word, about the uh, Quadrilla dividends. Last night wasn't a really good uh, dividend for the uh, UTAB punters who got the early quaddy. We won't go into that, but if you want to check it, there's a really big discrepancy between Super Tab and our tab. But anyway, this week, this goes out to the Tasmanian Turf Club. I was lucky enough to be out there at the New Market last week. I loved how um, there was a great atmosphere. But in particular, I loved uh, the food van, kids area on the front lawn. It was great to see so many um, parents there with young children enjoying the time. It was a great night in terms of the sun. Um, it was quite a warm night. The kids were having a great time. And um, to think they're the sort of things that, Racing clubs need to continue to do to to ensure that younger generations getting a taste of um, taste of what racing is all about. The only negative I do have is where the big TV is positioned. I thought maybe if they can move it down to about a hundred meter mark, it'd probably benefit all the people in the grandstand and upstairs and whatnot because you can't actually see 
the, the race properly where it's situated at the moment. I'm sure there's a reason why it's there, but that's just my little bit of feedback from the couple of boys I was up there with that they couldn't actually watch the races on the big screen while the race was going. Yeah, you're right. It was a terrific night up there on track on Newmarket night. I mean, it helps when the weather is good. It can obviously get quite cold in Launceston. And I know that um, that it's kind of out of uh, our control, in inverted commas. The strip out for on track, particularly for these night meetings, and I noted this again last night, is the breaks between races. Like you're routinely getting 35, 38, 40 minutes between races. If it was bang, 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 half hour like it is Mooney Valley, it, it just makes so much difference. You, you could you could go straight from work and the races could be done and dusted by 9.30 and you could have people there sort of all night without any troubles at all. And that makes a big difference for people that have to travel. And I think that's even bigger for the participants, mate. Like instead of them leaving the track at 10.30, getting home at 1 and 2 in the morning, they could be potentially home at midnight. The next day is not such a write-off for them. So, um, yeah, so I'd love it to be sort of 5.30 kickoff or 6 o'clock kickoff, half an hour between races, bang, we're done by 9 o'clock at worst. Like I think that would be an even better situation. Yeah, unfortunately, I guess it, it's just the game at the moment. You've got to fit into the, the bigger picture of uh, the Sky schedule and where the races fit in. Uh, Snapper's special this week, Bear. I'm calling it sort of when to bet, and there's no uh, exact science with this, but we touched on first accused in the new market, and we've just seen repeatedly, and you're probably going back even 12, 24 months there, that potentially with certain runners and mostly they're at the head of the market. There's just no bottom to where these horses might land in terms of price. And I mentioned first accused in the new market, but I'll I'll dig up a few wounds for you here with first accused because he's a horse where it's happened to repeatedly on the 12th of October, when he was beaten by Gigi's second over first accused was a dollar 95 into a dollar 35 on the Taz racing official prices. But most of that move, Happened in like the last 10 minutes before the jump. In the Goodwood, first accused was six into four. In the new market, he was 440 into 270 on the Taz Racing official price. And again, most of that happened in the last few minutes of the jump. In recent times, just a few examples of, of favourites that have just absolutely hit rock bottom. Sharma's last a couple of weeks ago when he absolutely fell in, I think SP'd about $1.25 when $1.90 was readily available even 15 minutes before the jump. Uh, we've seen Rebel Factor, uh, even GG's Gemstone last night. We mentioned the, the move there and there was probably good reasons for that. But Sistine uh, last start when again beaten. These horses are just getting plunged and starting ridiculously short odds. And a lot of the time, the, the the influences of the market, when it's early prices, it, it might just be a marked account, such as you or I, that might be marked as sharp and you're not necessarily betting to win heaps, but the corporates will take that intel and go, snaps back in that, we'll let him have his 50, but we'll reel it from 10s into 6s or whatever it may be. <laughs> but the, the late moves, I guess, are the big players that are really launching into the pools and... Uh, seemingly taking any price and I guess for me that the takeout that I'm starting to learn with these is that if you're keen on a favorite whether it's one of those horses I mentioned a rebel factor is a good example um gg gemstone another one if it's a horse sort of a favorite and they put up 240 250 you've just got to jump on it because there's not a snowflakes hope in hell they're going to start 310 320 and then they might even potentially start at a dollar seventy, dollar eighty. But in turn, what it does is it pushes the other ones out. So we go back to the twelfth or the tenth when first accused was uh, beaten by Gigi's second over a dollar ninety five. His implied chance of winning is fifty one percent. At a dollar thirty five, it's seventy four percent. So there's twenty three percentage points difference there. And if the corporates are betting sort of a, a dollar, uh, sorry, 130%, and that's got to come down to a 120% time by the off, and 23% is coming from one horse, well, everything else is it's just got to go out. So if you get a race like that, and, and you mentioned Ethical Dilemma early, uh, sorry, earlier in the podcast, it, he's jumped like $25, $30 last night, which is just madness. You, you see it early and you think, oh, $10, I've got to have some of that. But you got to sit down and think, well, they've got Rebel Factor 240. He's probably going to jump a dollar ninety, 
I may as well wait because we'll, we'll get better at the off. So it's kind of that challenge as a punter, but I'm just saying it all the time, these favourites, you, you kind of, you got to take it early because you're not going to get better at the off. But if you're happy to get them beat, you may as well wait because you'll get any old price come race time. Yeah, I agree. I've had a few mates ask me the same thing. Should they take fixed or tote? Yeah, he just touched on anything that's favourite ends up starting really, really short and the others blow out the gate. So my uh, suggestion to the small-time punter, as you touched on, you can either just wait or uh, maybe have half your stake on the fix and half on the tote and then you don't completely lose, but you don't completely win either. So, But you still walk away reasonably happy if they blow out. But um, yeah, there's been some massive, massive moves in the last month, as you touched on. Um, yeah, <laughs> you didn't need to keep mentioning first accused, but anyway, he's just a he's roll with the punches. He's just a prime example. Well, on the flip of that, one of those was the, the inevitable goes from three twenty out to about four twenty top tote. So it does work both ways. And I mean, sometimes you get them wrong, but yeah, we're just seeing that a lot. Uh, probably time to wrap it up. I think bear another big podcast. Um, of course we've got Devonport golden mile tomorrow, quick turnaround into what looks to be a huge program next Wednesday night in Launceston conquering, uh, alpha bowl three-year-old trophy. The noms for those races suggest it's going to be a cracking program. Yeah, they're really good noms. Um, the conquering's got four or five from interstate. The Nick Ryan stable's got some nominated Tony and Calvin McAvoy have, Got one nommed, Bellow Bow's nommed, Rebel Factor's nommed. So if everyone accepts, it shapes up to be an exciting race. And um, really looking forward to seeing what the final field is made up of come Monday morning. Yeah, a bit of a spruik on a couple of those two-year-olds uh, that we haven't seen. Thoris of Murr in particular from the Adam Trinder stable. A few wraps on that horse going around in the Alpha Bowl. But before we get there, Bear, hopefully we can find a winner in Devonport on Friday. It's a good meeting to you in 2021. Hopefully it can be in 2022. And we'll do this all again. Um, we'll record again next week. Sounds good, Snap. Look forward to it. Good luck tomorrow. And uh, let's be cheering Anthony Darman and home in the last couple of races.